0: If we want to be growing in godliness, if we want to be fighting sin, if we want to be casting off the old and putting on the new, if we want to be renewed in our mind, then we need to be those who are constantly immersing ourselves in God's truth.
1: You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths, and today we continue a message we began last time putting on the new self. And Jonathan, you've been talking about and helping us understand what it means to be a new creation, to put on that new self. And you're saying, if we're going to do that, we're going to do that right, we're going to do that well, we need to be in God's Word.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. Paul tells us that we need to embrace this totally new life that god has given us in christ and by the gift of the holy spirit but in practical terms we ask the question if we've been believers any length of time what does that look like day by day what what do i need to do to embrace this and paul within that discussion he says that we need to be renewed in the spirit of our minds and mind renewal for the Christian comes as we day by day come to the Word of God and feed on that Word which which renews us from within— and we need to give ourselves to that out of discipline, and I think out of desperation, out of need. And believers will know something of that sense of hunger for the Word of God that sustains us.
1: I think we all, if we've known Christ for any length of time, probably can relate to the need to do that. But honestly, there are times where we have probably all have had these seasons of dryness, and you're like, yeah, Jonathan, I know I need to do that, but man, I'm
0: not feeling it. And interestingly on that, I I agree, Steve, and I think we can all relate to that. Interestingly, I think if we look back at those times, we'll probably also notice that those are times that in practical terms, we're maybe not living out the new life as effectively and as fully as we might be. We see a correlation there between how much we're feeding on the Word of God and how much we're growing as Christians. And I think seeing that, observing it, drives us back into the Word. That's my experience.
1: Well, we're going to get into the word right now, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 24, as we continue this message, putting on the new self. Here is Jonathan.
0: I've been slow to learn to do this, but as I've taken on a few more projects around the house over the last couple of years, painting, repairs, even a tiny bit of mechanical stuff, I've been learning the hard way that it's wise to keep a set of old clothes that are reserved for the job. I've learned the hard way a few too many times that um, trying to wear decent clothes and do a bit of painting and thinking, oh, I'll manage to keep the paint flex off my shirt this time. It'll be fine. I'll just be super careful. I've started to realize that that never works, and I never come out winning on that one. I actually noted that down in my in my notes here on about Wednesday thinking I'll just mention that because there's an illustration in that. And I'll tell you on Friday I had something to clean with bleach and I thought, I think I can just do that in my normal clothes if I'm really careful. Another pair of pants destroyed by the bleach. So anyway, I, I am learning, but very, very slowly. Anyway, I'm learning to keep a set of old clothes for those really messy jobs. Just keep those aside and wear those for the messy jobs. But my challenge when I do that is to remember when I'm going out somewhere respectable, that I need to actually get in some clean and some tidy and respectable clothes. Once or twice I've been at home doing some messy jobs, some painting or something like that. I've been wearing my shorts with the oil stains. And then I've gone out to run some errands and I find myself in a cafe in a Starbucks or something and I realize I'm in the line there and I'm a complete mess. I really shouldn't be in polite society at all dressed like that, Paul wants us to know that we've got a new wardrobe. We've got a new wardrobe as believers. We've actually got a new self to use his language, one that really suits us, really belongs to us now. And he wants us to be very careful as Christian people to put on the new and to set aside the old, not to be found wearing it anymore. We need to put off our old self, verse 22. And we need to put on the new self, verse 24. Now, in a very basic sense, that's precisely what we do when we come to Christ in our conversion. We say, I'm done with the old me, with my old ways, my old self. I am done with sin. I am putting on the righteousness of Christ by faith. I am a new creation in Christ. I'm embracing the new me that God has given me. And that's the truth of it. That's the reality. That's what takes place in conversion. When we come to Christ, we are born again. We are a new creation. We're a new people, part of a new race. But here's the thing. Here's the trouble. We often find that we wake up in the morning and put on stained shorts and a paint-covered shirt. We forget who we are, And we forget the appropriate wardrobe of the true people of God. That's why Paul starts the next paragraph there with a call to the Christian to take some practical action, decisive action, to put off the old. Verse 25, just notice it there. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. You see, Paul needs to say that. He needs to articulate that for the Christian. He needs to say that to us. Because the decisive, putting off and putting on that happens in conversion, we need to follow up on that in each and every day by addressing sin, by putting off old behaviors and putting on the new. I don't know about you, but I sometimes feel terribly discouraged about the fact that I need to keep learning lessons of godliness that I thought I'd learned five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago. That when I discover that I, I need to be growing in areas where I, I, I thought I'd grown and made real progress some time ago in my Christian life, areas where now I see myself failing again and behaving less like Christ and more like the world. And Paul says to me, remember what you've learned in Christ. Remember to put off the old and to put on the new. Put off the old, that dying and that decaying self and put on the beautiful new self that is yours in Christ. And daily, I need to do that. And daily, so do you also. Well, all that sounds good and right. It's what we want to do if we're Christian people. But how actually do we live this out? Where do we go from here? How will we set aside this darkened way of life of the world, of the Gentiles, as Paul puts it, and how will we embrace the way of life that we have been given in Christ by grace? Well, we don't get a complete answer to that question here in the verses that we're thinking about. Paul is going to say quite a lot more about practicalities in the verses to come. But if we look closely at what he does say in these few verses, actually we discover there's quite a lot of insight for us. So, in the time that remains, I'd like us to stand back from these two paragraphs and notice three aspects of what will be involved in living this out practically. The first thing to notice is that the mind is absolutely key in this. The mind is of central importance. From what Paul says, it's pretty clear that our our mind, our intellect, has a very big part to play. On the negative side, just notice the negative role of the mind in the crisis of the unbelieving life, the life of the Gentiles, verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. You see, the crisis of the unbelieving life starts in the mind. For all the learning and all the intelligence that an unbeliever may have, he or she still does not understand reality as God sees it. They don't understand the truth as God defines it. They don't have access to the life of God because, Paul says, of the ignorance that is in them. Now, that's the heart of the issue. It's a matter of understanding. It's a matter of coming into contact with the truth, processing the truth, and believing the truth. But for the believer, for the life made new, for the transformed life, well, our understanding, it's key for us as well. It's key for our growth. Paul's reminder for us, verse 20, is of how we came to know Christ. It's about, verse 21, what we heard of Him and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth. The new life, it starts with learning, with understanding, with believing. But it's not about gaining academic credentials or getting letters behind your name. It's not about piling up abstract knowledge from a textbook. No, it is about learning a person. It's about getting to know Jesus, becoming acquainted with Him in vital relationship. And as believers, we are taught, verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. I think it's very striking how important the mind is in the Christian life. Sometimes the Christian faith is portrayed as something that bypasses the mind and simply engages the emotions. But the reality, according to Scripture, is that God accesses our heart through our mind. You see, He made us to be rational creatures. Part of being made in the image of God means that we can relate to His truth. We can hear His Word and understand it and respond to it in a way that none of His other creatures here on earth can do. And so to know God, to experience His salvation, to share in His life, we need to know Him. We need to understand his truth as he's made it known to us in his word. We need to know what he says. We need to understand what he says. We need to believe his word. And so to get back to the point at hand, if we want to be growing in godliness, if we want to be fighting sin, if we want to be casting off the old and putting on the new, if we want to be renewed in our mind, then we need to be those who are constantly immersing ourselves in God's truth. We need to be actively feeding our minds on his word, getting to know Jesus better through what he said of himself to us in the Bible. We need to be reading God's Word. We need to be studying God's Word. We need to be hearing God's Word. We need to be discussing God's Word. We need to be, in the fullest sense, a people of the Word. Now, that doesn't sound entirely intuitive to us. We tend to think that the life of our mind and the rest of our life and our character and our godliness are rather separate things. But no, Paul shows us here that the mind is the engine of growth. It is the doorway to godliness. We don't study to acquire knowledge for knowledge's sake. Of course not. We don't listen to sermons to pile up theological concepts in our mental library. No, it's all far more personal than that. We study the Word so that we might know better the one of whom it speaks.
1: You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths and a message called Putting on the New Self from Ephesians chapter 4. And We're going to get back to this message in just a moment. But as you tune in and listen to Encounter the Truth each day, I hope it's making a difference in your walk with Christ. And if so, would you let us know? We'd be so encouraged to know how God is using this program in your life. All you have to do to give us some feedback is come to our website, encounterthetruth.org, then click on the contact link. That's EncounterTheTruth.org. Click on contact. Let us know how God is using this program to deepen your walk with Christ. And if you have a prayer request, we'd be honored to pray for you and try and connect for some spiritual encouragement. One last time, our contact link, EncounterTheTruth.org, and click on contact. All right, back to the message. Again, here is Jonathan.
0: We don't study to acquire knowledge for knowledge's sake, of course not. We don't listen to sermons to pile up theological concepts in our mental library. No, it's all far more personal than that. We study the Word so that we might know better the one of whom it speaks. That's the first observation. The mind is absolutely key. Next observation, we need to work at this. We need to work hard at this. That is to say, our effort is important here. It's amazing how automotive technology is changing at the moment at such a rapid pace. You'll have heard that General Motors has announced the closure of its manufacturing plant in Oshawa down the road, citing the need to prepare for a future of driverless and electric cars. Very soon, it seems, we won't need to drive ourselves at all. We'll all be passengers all the time. We're not there yet. But current safety technology increasingly helps us to drive well. It gives us backup warnings and lane discipline warnings, enhanced automatic braking when there are hazards ahead, and on and on it goes. Now, living in this kind of in-between era, when cars are becoming more automated, but are not fully autonomous, we need to be careful, don't we, that we don't just disengage from the task at hand. Don't imagine that we can just switch on the cruise control and kind of lie back and relax as the car takes us where we need to go. We're not there yet. Our attention, our effort, our involvement, it's still vitally important, even though help is at hand. At the moment, we kind of work with the car to make the journey happen and to make it happen safely. When it comes to living the Christian life in the power of the Spirit and in union with Christ, sometimes we can get so excited about the new power that is available to us. Sometimes we get so overjoyed by the thought that God has made us new and given us new strength to fight sin and to live His way. Sometimes when we consider these wonderful truths... We drift into thinking that we can become mere passengers or observers in our own Christian life. We wrongly imagine sometimes that we don't really have to make any effort anymore. We no longer really need to participate. We just let go and let God, as it's sometimes said. Well, that idea, it surfaces from time to time, but it doesn't really resonate very well with what's going on in Ephesians. Paul, for one, delights in the truth that we're united to Christ and we have the gift of the Spirit. We're a new people. But at the same time, he has so much to say, doesn't he, about our responsibility, our role in addressing sin, in fighting sin, in saying no to ungodliness, and in making every effort to live a new kind of life in Christ. Just look at the shape of his instructions. Listen to the force of them, verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. You see, that's an instruction. That's something we've got to do, something we've got to take seriously, something we've got to respond to. He reminds us in verse 22 that we were taught to do certain things, to put off our old self, to put on the new. And in the following verses, which we're not going to try and tackle in detail this morning, we'll come back to them. In the following verses, Paul has a whole long list of very specific instructions of things we've got to do and and not do. Verse 25, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. In your anger, do not sin. He who has been stealing must steal no more. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths and on and on he goes. The Christian life is a new life. It is a spirit-filled life. But it is a life that requires our active participation. It is a life that requires our effort and our involvement. We mustn't just hand over all responsibility to God and to kind of kick into neutral and put our feet up. Now, if things are not going all that well in our Christian life, if sin is growing, if godliness seems to be diminishing, moving backwards, if you're just not making progress in the Christian life, it is right to ask the question, am I actually trying? Am I still putting in any effort here? Are you actually engaging your heart and your mind and your will to obey what God has called you to obey? See, we're misreading Scripture, and we're misunderstanding the Christian life if we think we have no involvement. We don't have to make an effort if we think we don't have to resist sin and strenuously pursue godliness. We do have to make an effort in this. That's the second observation. But here's the third one, and with this we close. In all these things, we are not alone. We're not on our own in living the Christian life. This is a truth we've circled around already in the passage, but I want to close with it and I want to emphasize it because I think it is the big gospel reality we need to take out the doors with us this morning. The call to put off the old self, to put on the new, it is a call to embrace and enter into a reality that has been won for us by another, that has been achieved for us and given to us as a gift of grace. We've got to be involved. We've got to be active in this. But in seeking to live the Christian life, we are seeking to participate in a miracle of redemption and of recreation that we could never achieve for ourselves. And the dynamics of this are hard to pin down. They're a little bit difficult to understand and to capture. There's a tension here and an element of mystery, but this tension is captured a little in what we see in verse 23. I wonder if that verse struck you as we read it. It certainly struck me. Paul is saying there in verse 23 that we've been taught to put off the old and to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Right there, in that rather unusual statement, I think we see the essence of this tension and this dynamic. You see, Paul is telling us to do something, but he is telling us to do something that is fundamentally being done to us and for us. Go and be made new, passive, in the attitude of your minds. It's like saying you've got a problem in your head, you've got a brain problem, go and perform brain surgery on yourself. Uh, Paul, brother, we respect you in everything. We love what you're doing here in your letter. But verse 23, that is neither realistic nor possible, Paul. Perhaps the statement just didn't come out the way you wanted to say it. Why don't you try it again? We'll wait. (laughs) We've got at least one brain surgeon here in the congregation. He's a brilliant surgeon, I have no doubt. But if I went up to our friend here and asked him, how comfortable would you be performing brain surgery on yourself? I'm pretty sure I know what the answer would be. Don't be crazy. Well, that could never be done. The question itself is an absurd question. You were taught, says Paul, to be made new in the attitude of your minds as we're united to Jesus and we give ourselves over to Him in increasing measure day by day, the one who lives in us by His Spirit, He is at work in us to make us new. In a sense, to make us more and more the people He's recreated us to be, to make our reality and our experience more and more in line with the saving work that He has accomplished on our behalf and in us. If you like, the great surgeon of the soul lives within us by his Spirit, and he makes us new. He changes us day by day. As we seek to be responsive to what Paul is saying here, as we seek to obey, as we call on the Lord for his help to do that, well, Jesus enables us more and more to enter into the reality of his death, setting aside the old that decaying self, and He helps us to experience in increasing measure the reality of this new life, putting on the new, being remade by the Spirit. He helps us to live out and to enjoy and to experience all that He's given us in redemption. He helps us to enjoy our new life in Him that new creation that God has achieved, verse 24, a people created, recreated to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We need to engage our minds to know Jesus by His Word. We must make that daily effort to put off the old and to put on the new, but here's the heart of the matter. We know and we trust that Jesus, who lives within us, by his Holy Spirit, will live his new life, his resurrection life through us, that he will enable us as we wait on him, he will enable us to live in the good of all that he's achieved through his death and his resurrection. That's our hope, and that's our joy, and it must be as well our daily prayer.
1: That is Jonathan Griffiths with the conclusion of our message, Putting on the New Self. It's part of a larger series, The Unsearchable Riches of Christ. And if you've missed any part of today's broadcast or any previous broadcast in the series, you can always come and listen online. Stop by EncounterTheTruth.org and there you can stream a program or download an mp3. Again, that's EncounterTheTruth.org. Well, if you are a regular listener to this broadcast, you know that Encounter the Truth depends on your generosity to keep Jonathan's teaching on this station. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to send you a book called Time Well Spent. What is this book about, Jonathan?
0: Well, it's about a simple theme, but a really important one if we want to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about developing a rhythm and a pattern of daily devotions and that means really spending some time reading god's word the bible and responding to him in prayer it's it's an important thing for anyone who would walk with jesus to develop that pattern but it's not always easy to get there especially if you're starting out from scratch and you've you've never really done that before never really been encouraged in it and and we think this little book will be a real encouragement to you as you think through how to do that and why to do that we think that if you can develop that discipline for yourself, you will find that you will grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and we just want to encourage you in that.
1: Well, the book is called Time Well Spent A Practical Guide to Developing Your Daily Devotions. Again, it's our thank you gift to you as you give a financial gift of any amount this month. Give online at encounterthetruth.org or call us at 833 998 7884. That might be easier to remember is 833-99-TRUTH, or again, come to the website, encounterthetruth.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time.